gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages. Welcome to My Two Cents Podcast, episode 74, which is entitled Crime. I am your host, G2, and before I get into the topics today, I want to read off the National Food Days of the Week. Today, being May 15th, is Chocolate Chip Day. Tomorrow, May 16th, is Barbecue Day. After that, May 17th is Walnut Day, is also Cherry Cobbler Day. May 18th, Cheese Souffle Day. Then May 19th is Devil's Food Cake Day, then May 20th is Quiche Lorraine Day, then May 21st is Strawberries and Cream Day. Now, before I get into the topics today, I do have some condolences uh, to read off. One is from the New York Post. It's about CBS News correspondent and Army veteran Richard Wagner died at 85. Longtime CBS News correspondent and U.S. Army veteran Richard Wagner has died at the age of 85. Wagner's wife, Donna Lewis Wagner, confirmed news of her of his death deadline, revealing he died at his home in Charlottesville, Virginia, on Tuesday. She did not disclose the cause of death. The beloved news reporter, whose impressive career spanned over three decades, was best known for his coverage of conflicts across the globe, such as the war in Vietnam. Wagner covered various assignments in Saigon in 1964 during his stint on CBS Evening News from the 1960s into the 1980s. He also covered the Salvadorian Civil War in 1984, where he reported alongside late war photographer John Hogenland, as well as Nelson Mandela's historic release from jail in South Africa in 1990, according to archives. His impressive on-the-ground reporting career earned him the Overseas Press Club Ben Garrer Award in 1987. It wasn't just overseas reporting Wagner was known for. He also covered major national news stories, including the Three Mile Island nuclear accident in 1979, as well as NASA's catastrophic challenger explosion in 1986 so with that i want to wish uh his wife a love and light because to be honest with you uh i never knew who this guy was i did not know who this man was until i had to read up on him and i was like oh he did some important stuff because you don't really hear about the old older newscast guy people you now know of like the people that's on television now like the uh Robin Roberts, George Stephanopoulos uh, on the ABC side, and even in the late time news, David Muir, you get like those people in CBS, you get uh, Gail King and CBS has a ro- rotating chairs of people and you get like the certain people that you like, okay, I know who they are, but then like whenever like an older news host or news reporter would pass away like this, I don't know who these people are until you have to do some research. And uh, this guy was a part of a whole lot of historical things. But again, I do want to wish his wife uh, love and light because she lost her husband at the age 85. And uh, I just want to say I wish her well. Another person that happened to pass away this week was Sopranos and Sex and the City actor Bruce McVitie. He died at the age of 65. This comes from page six. 
McVitie died in a Manhattan hospital on Saturday. His wife, Carol Ox, confirmed to the New York Times on Thursday no cause of death was disclosed. McVitie became widely recognized for his roles on The Sopranos as well as his recurring appearances on Law & Order. And as the world turns, his career kicked off on Broadway, working as Al Pacino's understudy in the 1983 production American Buffalo. He later took over the lead role. McVitie's impressive credits span across many well-known shows, including guest roles in Miami Vice, Sex and the City, Oz, Blue Bloods, Chicago Meds, and The Deuce. So we have another person that passed away. One of his final roles was starring as Detective Hardigan in the Emmy Award-winning Netflix limited series When They See Us. Now, once the news broke of Bruce's death, you know what usually happens. People start tweeting out their tributes. They start tweeting out how he was a good person, good actor. They liked him on certain shows that he was on, all that good stuff. But the main thing I want to take away from here is that death is still around. People are still passing away every single day. I want people to please cherish life as much as they can. But with all that being said, I want to wish... The families of both Bruce McVitie and also Richard Wagner, uh, love and light as they are going through this difficult time right now because they lost people in their family that were probably like a cornerstone or a person that they would talk to about their problems. But again, wish both of these families, love and light, put prayers out to them that they can get through this difficult time. It's never going to go away, but at least start chipping at the pain uh, day by day so that they at least can manage losing their loved ones so please wish both of these families love and light also um ashley judd did come out she talked to good morning america and she confirmed that her mother did die by suicide and yahoo entertainment wrote up that ashley judd was on thursday's good morning america and she confirmed that naomi judd did die by suicide she said that she had been deputized by her family, including Sister Wyona Judd, to speak out before specifics uh, became public without our control. I'm tasked with an exceeding difficult task in disclosing the manner in which my mother chose not to continue to live, Ashley told Diane Sawyer. She used a weapon. Mother used a firearm. She said revealing the manner of a Singing Legend's death was very uncomfortable for the family, but they understand that we are in the position that if we don't say it, someone else is going to. She said the details would soon become public without our control, whether it's the autopsy or the exact manner of her death, and that was the only reason she was speaking out so early in her grief. That is something that doesn't get talked about a lot. Somehow, in some way, the media always gets information about how somebody passes away whether it's by suicide, whether it's by them killing somebody, whether by every other thing, we all in the media game, we get information before the family does. And it likes to throw it out a lot. TMZ takes a whole lot of the blunt time to time because whenever they put out people's uh, death that somebody has died, this or that, the families aren't even notified. That's a whole lot of things. We just had one last week with Kevin Samuels. He passed away and his mother didn't even know until she had to read it online. That has happened multiple times with other celebrities as well, I guarantee you. So, Ashley Judd having to come out here and say, hey, yo, I, this is the reason how my mother passed. We want to control the narrative. We don't want nobody else to try to spin it. We want to tell you exactly how what's going down. I respect it because, you know what? I would rather have the family tell the public, well, yo, this is what happened. This is what went down. 
in that type of situation because if you give the media that type of control and that type of information, then they can just spin it any way that they want. Uh, Ashley Judd did tell Diane Sonner as well that she was the one that found her mother, so now she's dealing with that pain. I wouldn't know how to deal with that if I were to come home one day and see my mother on the ground or see my father on the ground or see any one of my siblings on the ground and they were dead. I wouldn't know how to deal with that. I wouldn't know. My mother's been in the CNA industry for a long time, and I've always asked her whenever she would see somebody literally start passing away in front of her eyes, like, how would she deal with that? And she says she's gotten, she would get used to it. I don't know if she said that it was the first time I shot the but she always just like said, oh, I got used to it. I got used to seeing people just start drifting away, seeing them take their last breath, and like one minute they'll talk to you, and then the next minute you think they're just taking a breath, but no, they're gone at that moment. So my mother has seen people literally just pass away in front of her, but seeing your mother dead on the ground and you walking in, that's just some weird stuff. I wouldn't know how to take it. So again, please give the Judd family as well uh, your prayers because man, oh boy, especially Ashley Judd, but the whole Judd family still give them their prayers. Please Give them some love and light, please, for the love of God, because, man, that's some hard stuff to come and just see your mother, like, dead on the ground, or that's weird. That's weird to me. I hope I'd never have to experience that, but if so, I wouldn't know how to do with it. So, again, anybody that's ever dealt with that, I, my heart is uh, to you, and I'm praying that you got over that trauma, because Ashley Judd's going to have to take some time to get over that. But, again, wish Ashley Judd's family... Uh, love and light because her mother passed away last week. And also, if you are dealing with suicidal thoughts or suicidal uh, tendencies or any of that nature, let me just give you the phone uh, number for the National Suicide Hotline, well, Prevention Hotline. It's 1-800-273-8255. It will be in the descriptions as well if you do click it. That number will be there because, again, I've always talked about it, always at the end of the episode. I always give you guys my email and I've always said that, yo, if you have any problems, if you feel that you're not worthy or you're not uh, worth it, I give you guys my email every episode because I want people to live. I want people to continue to live and breathe and want people to know that they are worth it. You are worthy. You are something to someone because, again, you don't know who you are to someone until you are gone. And then when that happens, you won't be able to see what you meant to them. Sometimes you just walk it into a room, brighten somebody's day that was down and out. Sometimes you talking to somebody can be the brightest light in somebody's day. Literally, just a simple talk can just brighten somebody's day. Believe me, trust me, it can be. So if you are having these thoughts, if you're having these uh, mindsets about you're down and out and all this type of stuff, please call that number or email me. You will get my email again at the end of the episode is in my descriptions as well. Email me. Talk to me, please. I don't like to see people transition out of here whenever it's not their time. I would rather have people go out on natural causes or something like that, but over uh, choosing not to be here, I would rather you just talk to me or talk to somebody on the highlight or talk to a therapist or whatever the case may be. I would rather have you continue to live out your life on this earth. So with that, love and light to everybody. Please, please take care of yourselves, okay? 
Now to the topics at hand. The first topic coming from the Daily Beast as it reads, Casey White reveals what he and Joe Garlover did during 11 days on the run. Casey White, the dangerous murderer inmate who bolted from Alabama prison with his jailer, has told detectives that the lovebirds spent most of their time on the run holed up in a cheap Indiana motel and plotting where to go next. Casey White, 38, a Lauderdale County Assistant Director of Corrections, Vicki White, 56, were captured on Monday after a dramatic police chase in Evansville, Indiana, just a five-hour drive from the Florence prison they escaped from 11 days earlier. The pair initially drove 100 miles north through Tennessee, where they dumped Vicky's rust-colored Ford Edge and transferred into a black Ford pickup truck and headed further north. The truck was spotted on May 3rd, four days after they escaped. Abandoned at a car wash another 200 miles north in Evansville, surveillance video from the car wash shows Casey White hopping into a gray Cadillac, which a sharp-eyed cop then spotted parked outside Evansville Motel 41 on Monday, police said. Cops lay in wait for the pair to leave the motel, and when they eventually did, on Monday afternoon, a chase began. Vicki White fatally shot herself as cops closed in, but Casey White surrendered without incident when their Cadillac crash authority said while coroner will have to confirm that she died by suicide Vicky was found with a gun in her hand she was also on the phone to 911 mid chase saying she had a gun to her head Vanderburg County Sheriff David Wedding told CNN he said detectives have since interviewed Casey White who allegedly told them he planned to get into a shootout with law enforcement but was stemmed when the Cadillac hit a grass ditch and was rammed by police Wedding said White also explained what they had spent their time doing on the run and their plan and what their plan was. He said he was just trying to find a place to hide out and lay low, and they thought they'd drive, driven long enough that they wanted to stop for a while, get their bearings straight, and then figure out the next place to travel, he said. Wedding said the pair had paid for a 14-day stay at the Motel 41, a 50-night joint with unflattering online reviews about bedbugs and moldy walls. Okay, cool. Their plan was pretty faulty, Wedding said. They're criminals. Their plans was faulty, and it failed, thank God. So now Casey White is back in Alabama, and he's under heavy security now. So there you go. I don't understand why Vicky would kill herself with a gun. I understand that, yeah, she probably would have felt some scrutiny from other officers. But again, you ran away with a dude on the run, I don't see you just killing yourself, I don't, I never get it, I don't get the whole thing of, I'm gonna end myself now after the cops are surrounding me, dude it's only jail, you get to still talk to other people, but it's probably people that you probably had some bad words with too, if you're a correctional officer so, I don't know what I'm gonna say is this, is that the guy's back in jail now uh, Miss Vicky White is well, no longer with us now and that's the only thing that can come out of this. So if you are a correctional officer and you are dealing with a prisoner, please do not try to flee with them. Please don't do that. We've seen too many of these situations. This is the second one I can't remember. Last week I talked about, and I mentioned how there was another one that happened years ago where a married woman who had an affair with two uh, dudes in the jail system that they all broke out. And somehow I think the woman and the two guys got caught. Yeah, they did get caught. So... Again, if you are in the jail system, do not have a fling with a prisoner. Don't do that. That makes no sense. You, no, don't do it. Don't mix business with pleasure. Please do not do that. 
So that's the end for that one. We have another topic here, and this comes from NBC News. Police search for gunmen who shot three Korean women at Texas hair salon. A search is underway for a suspect who opened fire at a Dallas hair salon and injured three Korean women inside before fleeing Wednesday, police said. Dallas police reported to the Hair World Salon at 2216 Royal Lane at 2.20 p.m. Local time in an area called the Asian Trade District, known as the city's Korean town. The suspect, described as a black male dressed in all black, walked into the business and started shooting, striking the three women, police said in a news release. Now, then you would fast forward over to Thursday, where the Dallas police chief said Thursday that they don't believe the shooting at the hair salon in Dallas, Koreatown area that injured three women was a hate crime. In this particular case, we have no evidence to point that hate is a factor and to say otherwise would be irresponsible for us to have a community live in fear, Dallas Police Chief Eddie Garcia said. If there was a nexus to hate, we certainly would be conducting outreach to ensure our community knows, Garcia said. Authorities are still searching for a man dressed in all black who shot the three women Wednesday afternoon at the Hair World Salon which is a shopping center with many businesses owned by Korean Americans. Police said the shooter drove off in a maroon minivan. The three women were taken to a hospital with injuries that weren't life-threatening, police said. The daughter of one of the injured women said her mother told her that the man who she didn't recognize calmly walked in, opened fire, and then left. He was calm. He just walked up to it and then stood there. Didn't walk around, but stood there and shot 20 shots and then just calmly went out, said Jane Bay, who wasn't there, but has spoken with her mother. I don't get it. Again, this is another maddening thing. I don't get how you can just walk into a spot, shoot it up, then leave out. You guys, there's something in, there's either something in the water or something in the food. There is something somewhere out here that's making people do a lot of stupid, ignorant, naivete things. I mean, this is completely idiotic. He will walk into a spot, not say nothing, just stand there, look around, start shooting up, and then just calmly walk out. That that means nothing. That makes no bit of sense to me at all. Now, for me, I try to understand when they said this is not a hate crime, I was like, okay, I understand what they kind of mean, but then I had to realize, okay, what is a hate crime? A hate crime, as I had to look it up, and it's coming from the National Institute of Justice, hate crimes, also known as bias crimes, are recognized as a distant category of crimes that have a border effect than most of other kinds of crimes because the victims are not only the crime's immediate target, but also others like them. Meaning that if a white person starts going to a black business shooting up all black people, that's a hate crime. And if you go to another black business and shoots up all black people, that's a part of it. You could piece those two together. Now, for this one, this is just an isolated incident. He just walked in there, just started shooting up, and then left out. They're not calling it a hate crime because this is not another person. He did not run up into another spot that is run by another Korean-American spot and just uh, shoot nothing but Korean-Americans. So that's the reason why they are not ruling this a hate crime. Now, if you were to see video of this uh, dude doing this to another store, you would say, okay, that's a hate crime. They can categorize it and build a case and say, yo, this is a hate crime. But since this is an isolated incident, that's the reason why they have not labeled this a hate crime right now. So if you guys do happen to see a maroon minivan in the area of Texas, well, you could just be on the lookout, but please be safe of yourself. 
to make sure that you are not in danger. One, please don't do that because we don't want you to end up getting shot. But if you happen to see a maroon minivan, just be on the lookout, okay? Because again, we are all, we have somebody out here that's probably not right in the head or I don't know what it is, but I'm just going with not right in the head that just went over there and start shooting people. Please be on the lookout. Please be safe again. But that's over there in the Texas area. And I have another topic right here. It's coming from Atlanta Black Star. The topic reads, what are you doing? Georgia sheriff facing sexual crime charge for allegedly groping Judge Hatchet at a conference, forcing another guest to remove his hands as the article would read. A Georgia sheriff has found himself on the opposite side of the law after allegedly fondling prominent TV judge Glenda Hatchett. According to the reports, Hatchett was attending a sheriff's conference in Atlanta in January when Blakely County Sheriff's Chris Cody allegedly grabbed her left breast. The Cobb County's solicitor's office has charged Cody with misdemeanor sexual battery. Former Dale Cab. County Sheriff Thomas Brown said he had to peel Cody's hands off the judge. He was reportedly shocked and angry at the other sheriff's actions. When I saw his hand go down on her left breast and I reached over, grabbed his hand, took it off of her and basically said, what are you doing? And get your hands off of her, Brown told reporters. Brown said he invited Hatchet as his guest to Georgia's Sheriff's Association Winter Training Conference on January 18th. He was introducing her to Cody, the association president, and another sheriff when the incident happened. 13 WMAZ reports that Cody's arrest warrant shows the assault took place at the Renaissance Atlanta Wavery Hotel Bar after hours. Brown said Hatchet asked Cody where he was from, and Cody replied, the heart of Georgia. That's where... That's when Brown said Cody placed his hands on Hatch's breast three times to emphasize the heart of Georgia. Brown said he was so furious and that he wanted to do more. She was there as my guest, so I was obviously upset. Brown said, obviously mad. He was obviously intoxicated. Brown said he then escorted Cody away and Hatch told him that she was shocked. She's thinking he's a sheriff. What do I do? Brown recalled the media does not usually identify sexual assault victims, but Channel 2 Action News reported Hatchet wanted her story to be told to empower other women. Cody turned himself into the Cobb County Sheriff's Office on February 4th and was released later on bond. Cody said in a statement from his office that he takes the charges against him very seriously and will comply with all the legal obligations placed upon him. He also said he hopes to apologize to Hatchet's once given a chance. Okay, this is why I say, yo, if you don't know how you're, uh, how you take your alcohol, if you don't know if you get drunk off of one or two drinks or three or four, just limit yourself or don't drink at all. Because again, I'm a person that doesn't drink. I am not that guy. So I'm not going to tell you how to live your life. You do what you want, but please be safe for yourself. And also don't get intoxicated. If you just want to drink a beer or you want to get a sip of a wine or a sip of something, listen, do that, but know your limits. Do not be an idiot. Do not get intoxicated because we have seen and heard too many things of people being handsy while they're intoxicated. We've seen and heard people getting upset when they're getting intoxicated. We've seen and heard people just going through all these different emotions when they're intoxicated and they always do something that quote unquote is out of their character. And when they wake up and they hear about the stuff that they've done, and they're like, that's not me. I would never do that. 
But then they get a video showing them doing it, and then they get shocked at, oh my God. Or somebody tells them, yo, yo, I was there. You did that, bruv. So this is, again, another important information for people to understand. If you are drunk, please, please don't do anything stupid. But again, that's out of your control, because once you're drunk, you certain people say you don't have no control of yourself, or you black out, whatever. If you're going to drink, just take one sip. But know your limitations. That's the most important thing. Know your limitations. If you only could drink one drink, just drink that one drink and drink it slowly. Because if you want to just be around people that have a drink and you feel like you actually got to drink, just take your one drink, drink it slowly, and just be a social drinker for that event. If you're inside your home, hey, you're inside your home, do what you want at that point. But when you're around other individuals, you have to take other people's uh, comfortability into consideration and when you're doing what you're doing. So, again, this guy, Cody, uh, former Cody or whatever, dude, you you a wildin', bro. You big wildin'. Touching a woman's breath to emphasize the heart of Georgia three times? Three times? Nah, not even one time. You could have did it to yourself. You could have just patterned yourself. The heart of Georgia. But Browns has said that he was intoxicated. So, I mean, you're going to put that out there. To let everybody know, well, he was drunk, so he might not be himself. Eh, I don't like hearing that kind of crap. I don't. I don't, but it's a reality. People do get intoxicated, and people do uh, certain things when they're, they wouldn't do if they were sober. But they do say the truth comes out when you are drunk. All those feelings, all those words that you've been wanting to say, all those times that you kept dormant and deep down inside of you, yeah, you're going to say those things when you're drunk because that's the truth. The truth is now coming out and there's no filter. You have no filter between your head and your mouth at that time when you are inebriated at that point. So, ladies and gentlemen, if you are drinking, please know that you can't get intoxicated. You will do certain certain things that are not of your character, quote unquote. If you have a tolerance that is not the ability to drink that much, just get one drink and just sip it throughout the rest of the night just to make sure you're a social drinker. And please do not drink and drive as well. I still want to make sure that everybody understands that one too. Do not drink and drive. But if you're a lightweight, just sip on a drink throughout the night just for if you want to be a social drinker. That's it. On to the next topic as it comes from the Daily Beast again. Guilty. Two-timing Connecticut hubby is undone by murdered wife's Fitbit. A Connecticut computer tech in love with two different women has been found guilty of killing his wife then floating a preposterous cover story that an obese mass intruder with a deep bass voice like actor Vin Diesel actually broke in and shot her after asking for their credit cards and pin numbers. Richard DeBate, a 40-year-old from the town of Ellington, was convicted by a jury Tuesday on all charges, first-degree murder, tampering with physical evidence, and providing a false statement in the December 23, 2015 death of Connie debate. Richard's seemingly airtight alibi unraveled before his eyes thanks to the data from Connie's Fitbit that undercut his story. The thorough and thoughtful examination of technology was key to this investigation and was significant in providing that the defendant was guilty of his crime, the state's attorney said in the end though this was another case of domestic violence and though much progress has been made in recent years to stop to well to support victims and survivors and to hold abusers accountable these domestic violence 
homicides are still happening, so we must continue to work together to end domestic violence. Outside the courthouse, after the verdict, Connie's family said in a statement, justice has prevailed today. And as you know, this trial was designed as the Fitbit trial. The trial, the trial was not about a Fitbit, but about a cold-blooded and planned murder of Connie, our daughter. There was, there will be no closure for the Margata family, but there is justice. There is finally justice for Connie. Debates. Defense lawyers said outside the court that they were disappointed in the verdict, but their fight was not over. During the five-week trial, Richard was described by prosecutors as a ticking time bomb who had painted himself into a romantic corner. Detectives discovered that Richard had impregnated his mistress, Sarah Ganser. The two first met in junior high school and began a physical relationship in May 2015. Ganser testified about a month later, Sarah said she found out she was pregnant. Seven months later, 39-year-old pharmaceutical representative Connie Debet would be dead, shot twice in the back of the head and dumped in the basement of the home she shared with her husband. Richard was arrested in April 2017 and released on a $1 million bail. In statements to police and in court, Richard claimed the camouflage-clad intruder led him into the kitchen after shooting Connie and stabbed him in the legs with a box cutter subsequently rendering him immobile by zip-tying him to a chair. While zip-tied down, Richard said he managed to grab a blowtorch and burn the intruder's face, who then fled the scene. But multiple neighbors testified that they were nearby during the alleged home invasion, bringing their kids to school or heading to work, and none spotted a masked man in full camo, and Richard's story appeared to fall apart completely when investigators subpoenaed Fitbit for the data from Connie's device. Prosecutors argue that Richard killed Connie because he did not want to lose friends or have his reputation harmed by a divorce. Richard also worried about the financial implications of splitting from his wife as well as having to deal with working out custody arrangements for the couple's two kids. He also reportedly said that he feared becoming a black sheep in his family. Prosecutors said they discovered evidence that Richard had also been involved in a second extramarital relationship, but the judge barred that information from the trial. So he had three women on the side? All right. While testifying in his own defense, Richard offered a slightly different story than the one he told police. He hadn't heard the intruder as soon as he walked in, but instead he said he sat down at his computer and only later did he notice any sort of commotion under cross-examination. Richard didn't have a good answer when asked why he first told police he had heard one or two gunshots when there were actually three. Shortly before Connie was killed, she and Richard spent a romantic weekend in Vermont. He testified, but when Connie posted photos of the trip on Facebook, Sarah saw them and realized her lover was not in the midst of divorcing his wife. As he promised, the only way for Richard, prosecutors argued in court, was to get rid of Connie. Richard steadfastly maintained his innocence throughout the court trial in Connecticut, murder carries a prison term of up to 60 years. His sentencing is scheduled for September 16th. So this tells you right here, another guy get caught up in an extramarital or a second life. And I don't understand it. I don't. This is the reason why I say I'm not getting married, ladies and gentlemen. And I'm just going to have a partner and we can just cut her off ties off like that. Because if she's not happy with me, A, I would rather her just tell me off blank, A, oh, I'm not happy 
and we just separate right here and yes it's going to hurt but we have no legal papers that we have to sign there's no nothing we could easily just split apart and go about our business by that way yes the, yes you're still going to be hurt because you spent all that time with that person yes i understand that the human emotions don't go away However, that's the reason why you do not get married because you have no legal papers. You have no nothing. You have to sign off and all this good stuff. You can just have a clean breakaway. When you're in a marriage, you have a lot of things to separate. You got to get all these paperwork out the way. You got to legally separate yourself. You got to hire lawyers or get all these things situated and organized and then split away. If you guys uh, had money together, what was it before you got married? What was it together when you guys got together? All these different things when you're married and you want to separate or get a divorce from your, uh, spouse, this is the type of stuff you had to go through. And he didn't want to go through it at all. And apparently he had children with this, with his wife. So he didn't want to have to go through the whole custody situation either. I mean, that is stupid. Whether you get a divorce or you just go around with your woman on the side dude you know deep down side dude you're gonna have to like you're gonna have to pick a side because if your side chick or your mistress or whatever the term you want to use is pregnant with your child you know you're gonna have to make a decision you're still gonna have to care for the child in either family whether you stick with your wife or you stick with your mistress you know you're gonna have to still rely and pay on the child on the opposite end of the spectrum you know that as a fact so for you to want to just kill your wife well what do you think you're doing in that instance what do you think you're literally doing in this is you're taking away a mother away from their child when you kill somebody's mother and you just couldn't just be a man and just nut up and say hey yo uh i got somebody pregnant and i'm leaving you yes you're gonna have to deal with the hell that you dealt with well, that you basically uh, made for yourself. Because if she says, I'm going to take you to court, I'm going to do this and that, blah, blah, blah. Hey, dog, you got to suck it up, man up. I know that's a hard thing for men to hear. Trust me. I know. But it's the damage that you made. You did this. She didn't do this. And you killed her because you were too much of a chicken crap, too much of a little turd nugget to just tell her hey i'm i'm i want to break i want to get a divorce i'm not happy whatever the term is whenever married people will like to just say whatever they do to rectify or just to even give get off them cheating you couldn't even say that to her it doesn't make sense how somebody has to die every single time whenever somebody's not happy in a marriage Ayo, I got with somebody else, and then somehow it's always on the news. It's always a dude, too. It's rarely a woman. I just want to make that perfectly known. It's always dudes. Dudes will get married. They have a wife. They have children. They step out, have step out with another woman, and they keep that relationship on and on and on. And then next thing you know, we get on the news. Wife and children have mysteriously disappeared as the husband is trying to figure out what happened to them. There's been too many news reports of that happened, and then once the trial happens and everything goes down, what happens? Oh, the husband killed them both. Husband killed the wife and children. Excuse me? Oh, why he do it? Oh, because he had a mistress on the side. Shocker. This stuff doesn't shock me anymore. I would just think that men, we should figure this stuff out. Like, hey, yo, we're not going to get married. This ain't it. This ain't the way for us. We're just done. Get a divorce or just say, hey, yo, we're not getting married. This is what I want to do. They have a clean split. This is the reason why 
I say I'm not getting married. I don't want to just do paperwork. And I know people's relationships change as they get older. And I don't think people now have the guts to stay with the person that they married anymore. They don't because we all change as people. And with change comes people not realizing or even liking that, Ayo, I am not the same person I was at that time. I've hit a different uh, thought process. I've hit a different mindset and certain people don't like it. So this is showing everybody that you in this day and age, in this time with everything going on with social media and all this type of stuff with people on the news and people constantly looking and comparing their lives to everybody else, the weddings and getting married is not the, it's not the thing. It's not it anymore. Just, just date people. That's all you got to do. Just date people, be around them. If you happen to like the person, just constantly date them and just have that person at your partner. That's just my advice to anybody personally. That would be mine. But yeah, this guy was too much of a coward to say that he wanted to get a divorce and that he was not happy no longer in his marriage. And this is what happened. His wife was murdered by him because he was a coward. And I hope he gets all 60 years. I'm going to be honest with you. I really do, because this woman should not be dead right now. Connie should not be dead. She should be living right now with her children. And this man took her, took his own children's mothers away from him. Away from them. It doesn't, uh it's disgusting. So I hope this guy gets all 60 years. I really do. I hope the uh, state of Connecticut gets this guy for all 60 years. I really do. Uh, next topic come from New York Post. As a reason, alleged L.A. killer mom, Angela Flores, makes first court appearance in murders of her three kids. The Los Angeles mom who allegedly killed three of her kids because she thought they were demon-possessed made her first court appearance Wednesday. And her teen son pled not guilty to helping her in the shocking crime. The 38-year-old murder suspect remained hidden behind a closed door in the courtroom where only journalists were present present for the two-minute sessions the San Bernardino son reported. Flores was then escorted back to a woman's jail in Linwood after the judge delayed a plea hearing until August 12th. Her bail was kept at $6 million. Meanwhile, a 16-year-old boy whom authorities have identified as her son pled not guilty Wednesday in juvenile court to assisting Flores carry out the alleged murders, according to the paper. The boy who is being held without bail at the Selmar Juvenile Hall will return to court on May 25th, the outlet added. Flores is charged with three counts of murder in the deaths of Natalie Flores, who was 12, Kevin Yanez. 10 years old, and Nathan Yanez, 8 years old. She believed, well, she claimed to believe the kids were possessed and reportedly attacked them because she thought she could drive the demons out. Law enforcement sources told the LA Times. Police responded to a report of an assault with a deadly weapon about 7.40 a.m. Sunday at Flores' home on Victoria Boulevard. Her three other children live out of state with their father and were not harmed in the bloodbath. So how many children does this woman got? Okay, so you got the teenager, you got the three, and then you got the other ones. So that's a total of seven children this woman had. Jesus. So four of them are living. One she had with her, killing the other three. So he's in jail. The other three living with the father, they're living. And these three, they pass away by God. 
Anyway, continuing on with the article, neighbor says she had been acting erratic Saturday night, holding a Bible, screaming, praying, and lighting candles at other homes on the streets. Yeah, this woman wasn't all there. This woman was not all there at all. You mean to tell me that you were holding a Bible, screaming, and praying, and lighting candles at other homes on the streets Saturday night before you did it on a Sunday? What? What? Did you do a Saturday night and then you just light candles? uh, I don't get it. I don't get it. I don't. Authorities have not said how the children died. Uh, Court records in Kansas City show she previously went by Angela Medina Corina and her then ex-husband, Jacob Corina filed for divorce in 2005. The San Bernardino son reported Jacob told the LA Times that Flores called him about a week before the killings and talked about religion. <laughs> Boy, I hate it. I do. I just talked about this with my mother. We put so much on religion. Okay, if this is religion, God is the ultimate judger. God's the man, he's the maker, he's a woman, whatever people want to go with it. Here's my deal. The Bible and the ultimate thing is be good, do unto others good, and be kind. That's all it's about. You have to be kind, you have to be good, you have to just have some morals about you. That's basically what it's all about. Be a good, kind, spirited human being, and don't be a fool. That's what it's all about. What are we doing talking about killing people in this situation? Hmm? Seriously, I don't think that we sh- <laughs> In a religion-based situation, you're going to end up just start killing your children because they were possessed by demons. No, you don't. You don't do that. I've No, no, no. You're not going to get off on me with that one. You got to deal with that yourself, bro. You ended up killing your kids for some other reason other than demon-possessed. And for your other boy to help you do that, he was probably afraid that he was going to die next. So we're going to be honest with it. He was 16-year-old. He could have stopped his mom. He could have killed his mom. But I don't know what type of control she had over him because being peer pressured by an adult is a real deal. Even if you're 16, you can still get peer pressured by your parent. It's just a weird thing to read about this that a mother and her older son killed the mother's children and he helped it doesn't it's not adding up to me it's really not i'm trying to find the words to really (laughs) say how i really feel about this because you killed your kids a night before mother's day and on mother's day you get arrested because you killed your children. That's what you did. You killed your kids with one of your kids helping you killed his other siblings. I can't get down with that. I can't. And for this to be a religion thing, I don't like religion being thrown up to anything. In a debate, oh, we got to talk about God. Uh-uh. Don't do that. This is not what we're doing here. We're not doing that. If that's the case, God will not be accepting you. God's not going to accept you killing your children. He ain't doing that at all. So we're going to talk about religion. You just better know what the ultimate thing is. God gave his son on this earth. And we're going to go about religion. God gave his son on this earth so his son could absolve people of their sins. He gave his son as the ultimate sacrifice for everybody on this earth. You mean to tell me that your kids 
were killed because you thought they were demons. No, you take it to a priest or something. If that's what you thinking, you take them to a church or something. That's what you think. You don't just start killing them. You don't do that, especially with church being the next day, a Sunday. What are we talking about here? Nah, throw the book at her for real. Get the 16-year-old some help. You guys got to do some really investigating on the 16-year-old. The mama, she's old enough. Nah, she got to get the book thrown at her. That 16-year-old, do some talking, do some investigating work on why he helped his mom kill his other siblings. That's where my personal stance is on that. Now on to another one. Huffington Post, as it reads, Vermont man charged with murdering mom at sea for inheritance. Nathan Carmen, seen in 2018, pled not guilty Wednesday to murdering his mom at sea as part of an alleged inheritance plot that involved the fatal shooting of his grandfather three years earlier. A 28-year-old Vermont man has been charged with murdering his mom at sea in 2016 as part of an inheritance plot that alleged to have included the killing of his multimillionaire grandfather three years earlier, Nathan Carmen pled not guilty to eight counts Wednesday, including first-degree murder related to the death of his mother, Linda Carmen, who mysteriously vanished after her son's boat sank while the pair was boating off the coast of Rhode Island. Nathan Carmen was rescued from a life raft a week later and denied all responsibilities for what happened. A federal indictment unsealed Tuesday also accuses Carmen of fatally shooting his grandfather while the 87-year-old was sleeping at his Connecticut home. Carmen is charged with attempting to defraud his grandfather's estate, but is not charged with the 2013 killing. The deaths were motivated by greed. Prosecutors allege with Nathan Carmen standing to receive $550,000 from Kalinko's bank accounts following his grandfather's death and an additional inheritance following his mother's. The amount he received from his mother's estate was not stated by prosecutors, though the Associated Press reported it to be about $7 million. Carmen faces mandatory sentence of life in prison if convicted on the murder charge and up to 30 years in prison for each fraud charge. He's being represented by Vermont's Office of Federal Public Defender, which did not immediately respond to a request for comment. So if you guys don't remember, okay, there was a guy out in 2016. There was a news report that was covered by ABC, CBS, all these big local sites. And it was basically a guy uh, floating in the middle of the sea. And they will always report that he was the only last survivor. His mother ended up drowning and he was the last person to see with her. They always try to say that he did something to her. He always declined to say that he loved his mom and all this type of stuff. And now they're finally saying what now six years later after they rescued him saying, oh, yeah, by the way, we're charging you with all these things. Ah, we we're on a slippery. So we're on a slippery. So here for me. Because if you're the last person seen with her, I you got people already like eh, like you, you could have done it. You could have not done it. I'm just going to wait for all the evidence to be brought out. That's all I can do for this. I'm not going to put my comments. I'm not going to do none of that. I understand if Homeboy could have got uh, $7 million, people were going to say, yeah, that gives a lot of people a lot of opportunity and all this stuff to kill their mother. If you and her are on a boat and you guys were the last people with each other and you just happen to be the last person, people are going to say, yeah, you killed her because what happened? And if you give all your 
events to the police officers and they don't like the way that you said this or that or whatever. And they start doing some digging. They're going to do all this type of stuff. They say also, by the way, while I see prosecutor says Carmen killed his mom in an undisclosed way and then sank his boat. He escaped on an inflatable raft and was picked up a few days later by a passing commercial ship. The next month, he filed an insurance claim for his boat for approximately $85,000. The insurance company denied his claim and accused him of misrepresenting what happened to Linda Carmen and his boat. See, you already started getting people saying that they already using that as a thing. The insurance company saying, yep, we did not clear that. We don't agree with it. A month later, you got to have some more grief on you. You can't just try to claim your boat, especially with your mom being dead and you're the last person surviving. How was the insurance company is not going to give you that. They're going to look at it and say, how are we going to give him this money? And that looks too fishy, even for us. So now we can't give you that. So this guy has really got a big battle ahead of him, especially for him using like the public public defenders with this. He got a big battle ahead of him. I don't know if he did do it, didn't do it. I just know that it looks big fishy for you to be the only person. Why wasn't your mother on that raft? I understand exactly what's about to go down. And if he doesn't know, he's about to figure out. He's about to get snapped up for real. Now, he better get some evidence to prove that he didn't kill his mom. He better find something out. He better dig into his books or whatever he can do to prove that he didn't do it. But again, he probably did. Who knows? Only... The law knows whenever they actually do their job and actually start digging for information. That's what I hope we get from this situation. I'm going to keep my eye on this one whenever they post up more stuff about it. But yeah, we've after six years, we're finally getting some information about this one. Uh, I want to go on to another one. This comes from the New York Times. Mario Batali found out guilty in sexual assault trial. The charges stem from a woman's allegation that the celebrity chef groped her in a Boston bar in 2017. Mario Batali, the celebrity chef who once stood atop a multi-million dollar food enterprise and hosted a daytime TV show, was found not guilty of indecent assault and battery on Tuesday. Judge James Stanton delivered the ruling in Boston Municipal Court after a two-day breach, well, bench trial that centered on testimony from Natalie 10, 32, who said, Mr. Batali forcibly kissed and grabbed her during a late night selfie session at a Boston bar in April 2017. I've never been touched before like that. She testified like squeezing in between my legs, squeezing my vagina to pull me closer to him as if that's a normal way to grab someone. Judge Stanton said it's an understatement to say that Mr. Batali did not cover himself in glory on the night in question, but he adds that Miss Ten has significant credibility issues. Mr. Batali, 61, smiled and nodded as the judge acquitted him. Miss Ten sat in the back of the courtroom and left as soon as the verdict was read. Mr. Batali did not testify, and his defense team called no witnesses on Monday. He waived his right to a jury trial. If he had been found guilty, he would have been faced up to two and a half years in jail and have been restricted required to register as a sex offender. In his closing statements, Mr. Batali's lawyer said that Miss Tin lied for fun and she lied for money, referring to a lawsuit she has filed against the chef. After the verdict, Kevin Hayden, the 
County District Attorney issued a statement expressing disappointment and acknowledging how difficult it can be for the victim to discuss sexual assault when the individual who committed such a terrible act is in a position of power or celebrity, the decision to report an assault can become all the more challenging and intimidating, he said. Only two witnesses testified during the trial, both for the prosecution. Ms. Tin, who works in the software industry, spent most of the first day on the stand describing her encounters with Mr. Vitale late one evening at the town stove of Spirits Bar in the Back Bay neighborhood of Boston that has since closed. The other witness called was a friend of Ms. Tin, Rachel Buckley, 37. She said Ms. Tin sent her a photo of Mr. Batali the night of their encounter, along with text that described him as appearing extremely drunk, but didn't mention his grabbing her. Details of groping and kisses from Mr. Batali came up in subsequent conversation. Ms. Buckley testified. Much of the evidence in the trial came from two years worth of Ms. Tin's text messages, which sometimes showed her being flippant about selling the photos or getting money from Mr. Patali. They revealed incidents in which she lied to get out of a gym membership and in an effort to avoid jury duty told another court that she was clairvoyant. Once she was seated on that jury, she violated court rules by searching the defendant's background and texting a friend she thought he was guilty. The judge notes these incidents and her disregard for the courts in addition to photos from the night at the bar that showed her smiling after her first encounter with Mr. Batali. Three minutes later, she took another round of selfies with the chef. Her reactions, or lack thereof, to the alleged assault is telling, the judge said, just before he ruled. So, Mario Batali is getting off of that with Scott Free, but now he has a whole lot of other uh, civil courts, well, civil cases with a lot of other women, because now... Uh, women have been coming out to say that Mario Batali did certain other things to them, and he's got to basically, he's going to pay off some of these things. He's going to pay off. He's been apologizing. Uh, he said that my behavior was wrong and there are no excuses. I take full responsibility. That's my whole thing. Again, I just said it earlier. When you get drunk and all this type of stuff, you start feeling, you start becoming somebody that you quote unquote don't know that you wouldn't be when you're sober. So this, again, shows you another detail. I got to reannounce and say it again. If you do not know your threshold, if you're just a social drinker, please just have that one, one, one drink and sip it throughout the rest of the night as you're going around talking to people, please. Because, again, anything could happen. You don't want to end up doing something that you're going to end up regretting. So please, please don't be a nasty person, just be a social drinker, just grab one drink, if you feel the need to drink, just grab one drink and just walk around and just sip it, okay? Mario Batali is going to face a lot of other civil suits, and the civil suits, for people that don't know, it's all about money, so he's going to be paying off people, that's all I got for you with Mario Batali's situation here. This is the last topic that I want to talk to you guys about, and this comes from the uh, Yahoo Sports as it reads, Naomi Osaka to launch her own sports agency in latest barrier-breaking move. Tennis star Naomi Osaka is taking a page of the Los Angeles Lakers' LeBron James book and starting an agency. Osaka left her previous agency, IMG, with the intention of starting her own agency called Evolve, according to Sportico. The move isn't unprecedented for athletes, though it's rare. Kevin Durant, Roger Federer, James and Greg Norman are among the other athletes to launch their own agencies and companies. 
With the move, Osaka will become the first female athlete at that level to take full control of her business endeavors and attempt to build an agency per Sportico. Evolve isn't aimed to be a large agency. Osaka's agent, Stuart Dungild, who also left IMG for Evolve, said the company may only take on one or two other athletes. Stewart explained the business is mostly about building Naomi's business from $50 million a year to $150 million a year. Osaka is well equipped to start her own agency. She's the highest paid woman athlete in the world. Osaka makes $52 million in endorsements per Sportico's list. She holds equity in a number of companies including Sweet Green and Modern Health. Osaka burst onto the scene in 2018 when she defeated Serena Williams in the U.S. Open. She won the Australia Open in 2019, the U.S. Open again in 2020, and the Australian Open a second time in 2021. Uh, I hope Naomi Osaka knows what she's doing because she is she's had some mental uh is not gonna say issues. She's had to take away and step away from sports to take care of her own mental health. She's talked about uh, mental health and therapy a lot. So I hope she knows what she's doing, and especially with her doing an agency. You know you're basically being these people's babysitters. These agents' babysitters. You have to get them these endorsements. You have to get them uh, these ads. You have to get them into these other situations that your other company was getting you into. So I hope Naomi knows what she's doing. Because if you think just playing sports and doing sports conferences, well, the press conferences after the fact and then doing like endorsement deals after that is just like, that's what's going to uh, get you into a mental break and have you go into therapy and have you take away from the sport. You're going to have to deal with what? Other athletes as well? Even though you may say, well, you're only going to take a one or two other athletes. You got to remember, what are their criteria? What are their credibility? What were they getting before they go to you? So if anything, you gotta be you gotta be an amateur. You gotta take on somebody that's almost ready to go pro and just grab them and be like, okay, this is what I'm gonna do with you, this and that, bong, bong, bong. Because if you get celebrity status athletes into your evolved business that you're gonna take as clients, you're gonna have to do for them basically what their previous company was doing for them. If they didn't have a previous company, you're starting off fresh and straight. And that's good because they only expect a certain things and you can finesse and finagle a certain couple things. You can be like, well, we're working on this. We're working on that, blah, blah, blah. And you can easily get some leeway off. But if you're dealing with a professional professional, as in the, one of the top cream of the crops of their field, of that athletic field that they're in, you're going to have to get them ads you're gonna have to get them promotions you're gonna have to get them sponsorships you're gonna have to get a whole lot of things and you being the boss your name's attached to them so they're gonna want to speak to you more than anything their agent's gonna be wanting to speak to you more than anything and you being the boss you got to answer those calls you got to figure out okay why isn't my agent getting this uh thing done why isn't this person getting their ads or getting their sponsorship that they need to do and this and that blah 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 i just hope that naomi knows what she's doing. That's all I'm saying. I want her to be well. I want her business to thrive. I want everybody's business to thrive. But for her, she's been constantly talking about mental health and she's been an advocate for this stuff. I hope that she knows what she's doing with this. She is a young person starting this thing. She's young. I think she's probably around, what, my age or probably even a little bit younger than me. 
Yeah, she's 24, about to be 25. So I hope Naomi knows what she's doing. I have all the faith in her. Let me not, let me just state that right there. I have all the faith in Naomi because, well, she can always hire people to get the things done. But with a big-time athlete, I think the big-time athlete is going to be wanting to speak to the head, and Naomi's going to have to take those calls whenever something doesn't get done right or something doesn't get accepted or something isn't moving the way that it, that high athlete wants it to be moved and accelerated quickly. So I hope Naomi does know what she's doing in this new business venture of being a uh, creating her own sports agency. But again, love and light to her. Congratulations for her to do this. I just wish her uh, well wishes and hope that her uh, business does well. Now, with that all being said, let me get you guys out of here. Uh, my Twitter, you can find me at, at my two podcast. Instagram, my two cents podcast G2. Uh, my email, my two cents pod at yahoo.com. Again, you can email me there to talk to me. If you think I did something good, talk to me there. If you think I forgot something, a crucial part of a story that I talked about on here, you can email me there. If you want to just talk about, talk to me about anything that you just want to talk about, this email is literally specific for anybody that's for you want to, uh, make a deal with me for something cool you want to talk to me about something cool but if you are down and out please call me if you feel that you have nobody to talk to please call me not call me but please email me that's what i'm saying please email me please because again i don't want people to be getting off this earth when there's not their time is not of natural causes please please email me please now i want to thank apple Podcasts, google Podcasts, podbean audible amazon music and spotify for allowing me to uh say what i want to say they allow me to do what i do say what i say and i've had no backlash from any company i just gotten a situation whenever i just don't get certain pieces of my data from me apple i'm still on you for that but you guys allow me to do what i uh want to do you guys allow me to just be me just let me say what i want to say and i do thank you guys for that and I want to thank you guys too, the people that's listening to this thing. You guys could be listening to anything. You guys could be listening to music. You guys could be listening to the new Kendrick Lamar album. That album has been, that album's out and I have not listened to it yet. I'm planning on to it. And uh, yeah, you guys could be listening to anything else, but you guys decided to listen to me. I'm really, really grateful for that. That is not going to appreciate it. Because trust me, I get to see from who is listening to me in states and countries. That's the reason why I need those stats. I need to see so I can shout you guys out i really do thank you guys i really really uh appreciate it um with that all being said always remember i love you i love you i love you i love you all i thank you all i really do i hope you guys have a great sunday please be careful on these roads please be careful on these roads because people are dickheads out here people are driving uh stupid and reckless and gas is going up as long with everything else but gas is going up way much more now south carolina prices are starting to hit the four dollar mark and i'm not liking it but hey it is what it is but i'm gonna try to uh, drive whenever i actually have to drive not when i want to but when i have to but i hope that's the same thing for you guys too please be careful please be safe please be good i love you all please don't be dickheads to people please be kind and courteous you don't know what somebody's dealing with so just be courteous and just be kind to everybody this isn't goodbye this is until you hear from the sweet sounding voice again this has been my two cents podcast presented by 
G2. I have been G2. I love you all. I thank you all. And Kanye, can you please take these people home? I'm tired. You tired. Uh -huh. Jesus wept. Uh -huh.